Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys, excited to have you with us again this week. So we'll jump into the Apple podcast review of the week. So this one is from Bib. I want to add the Bib, but he titled himself Bib. So this is from Bib. Bib's title is Finds Me, five-star review. And his review says, whether I know it or not, prior to listening, this podcast always seems to find me where I'm at in life. With great reminders such as be present, live your purpose consciously, leaving your legacy, and the key to relationship of being open and just ask. Thank you for the continued excellent content. So thank you for thanking me and thank you for the excellent five-star Apple podcast review, Bib or the Bibber or the Bib, but he wants to go by Bib. So, all right, Bib, I'll honor your name and go by Bib. So appreciate you so much. So that brings us on to our featured guest for the week. We've got Kevin McCarthy with us. So Kevin has uh, lived a life. He's got uh, uh, two kids, grown family, great marriage. He comes to us from a place of being an expert, but he also comes us comes to us from a place of having a lot of brokenness as well. Uh, Kevin's got a program called Tough Shift, Seriously Good Change. By answering the seven shift questions, you'll emerge from adversity wiser and stronger. He also has a on-purpose program called The On-Purpose Person. He's got a really cool deal on his website, onpurpose.com, that uh, has helps you find your two-word purpose in life. So that was really cool to do that side of it. And with that, I'm excited to have you on the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Welcome, Kevin McCarthy. Well, thank you, Dan. It's great to see the way you're serving men who are dads. So it's a big responsibility. And I think a lot of guys are stuck in adolescence themselves and need to step up and be men. Well, thank you. Thank you. And absolutely, we need to step up and be men. It's uh, even more important today. It seems like guys year, years ago got that message, and now it seems to be, seems to be watered down, and, and we're missing our mark in large part. So we got introduced by Tracy Jones, daughter of Charlie Tremendous Jones. So I've been running a program or helping run a program here in St. Louis for about 10 years, and monthly... We repeat a quote from Charlie Tremendous Jones, which is uh, something along the lines of, you'll be the same person today, or you'll be the same person in five years that you are today, except for the people you meet and the books that you read. Mm -hmm. And so it's just amazing to get connected to Charlie's daughter. And then you've known them and she introduced us. So I, I appreciate Tracy introducing me to you. You've been a great person to get yeah. to know. In fact, I just published this book with her, the Tough Shift book. Oh, how cool. Yeah, that's a tremendous edge book. It's one of those things that I'm doing with her recently. So, um, yeah, it's it's really fun. I, it was just, it worked out that I had this this new program I was doing called Tough Shift. You got to say it slowly. And um, <laughs> it was, um, you know, I had clients that said, are you going to do a book with that? And I said, I don't know that it's necessarily a big book and you know and then i met tracy and she was telling me about what they were doing and i have i already had their library of the charlie tremendous jones library and so i picked up and i thought you know this is not a bad idea i'd like to do something quick uh, easy you know fast easy read because today's world particularly men i mean it's sort of it's sort of funny the inside story on the on-purpose person the first book i wrote which was back in 1990-91 when it was, when i was writing it it was actually published in 92 with nav press but uh the i wrote the book and uh, i called it uh, with men in mind and each chapter was written so a guy could read it on the toilet so one chapter in one easy sitting and in 18 days you could finish it unless you had an issue <laughs> <laughs> and you could finish it faster. 
But it was literally because I figured guys read on the toilet, and I've learned that women read in bed. Hmm. So that was sort of my way of approaching the writing process for that. And now I've got these you know, short, simple, easy to read, fast books. Today's world were even more difficult to read, I think. Yeah, it's funny you bring up having written a book and then you grab Tracy and say, hey, let's let's get this out a little bit faster. I could use some help. So even an experienced author says mm -hmm. I could use some help. So guys ask me all the time, hey, I think I got a book in me. Hey, I think I got a book in me. I'm like, what's keeping you? It's like, well, I need some help. You know, what's your advice? And my advice in life so often is find an expert. Yeah. So uh, guys, if you're looking for something, connect, connect with me or Kevin, and uh, we'll get you over to Tracy, Tracy Jones. So she's, she's pretty cool. So she helps get guys published and, and out there so you can get your book going. Oh, and then funny, your tough shift. And you said, pronounce it slowly. Right. There's a guy that's been on the podcast, a former NFL guy, and he's a big coach a guy named Anthony trucks. I think he's, podcast episode number two tremendous guy and his podcast is called Aw shift how about that <laughs> so pretty cool so yes i gotta pronounce his uh his correctly as well gotta be careful when you say that one so funny that you guys have that in common yeah so the name on purpose we were talking about this before we got going and i automatically took it one direction but you brought up how kids have a way of using the words on purpose. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for the audience? Well, I mean, yeah, for me, I, this started back in the eight. Well, I mean, it started when I was a kid, you know, I'd knock over a glass of milk and I'd say, mom, I didn't do that on purpose. And so it was the idea of, it was a way of, of communicating that there was an accident and that you were defending yourself from the point of view of innocence. And what I recognized was that in the 80s, when I first started doing work around purpose, was that this idea that that was the predominant way that it was used, that it was a, a defense mechanism. And I began to look at it and say, well, what if instead of using it defensively, what if you could use it on offense, meaning that I did do this on purpose, this was done with intention, I was deliberate about it. And the other thing is I was a student of uh, self-help literature as well as in I can get in a little bit of my Christian walk in night on February 14th 1986 Jesus went from my head to my heart so that's really the day that I mark as my Christian walk beginning even though there were it's kind of my before Christ and my um, after delivery if you will um, <laughs> after deliverance it, it's in that period of time that I really began to say, well, what does it mean to be on your purpose? And what is, what do, what is the meaning of purpose? And, uh, and so it, today, you know, after over th three decades of doing this, uh, I just don't think there's another person on the planet that knows purpose, understands it as well as I do. But more importantly, it's not about knowing your purpose today is a very easy thing. Living out your purpose, being on your purpose is the challenge. But if you are in a state of before purpose, then it's even more challenging. You're at, you're at a major disadvantage in your life because you don't know your purpose in life. And then if I may, just purpose for the benefit of the listener is uh, from a Christian worldview, it is your identity in Christ. It is uh, an indication of God's will for your life. It's, it's the way in which you glorify and make a difference. It is, it's just this pivotal little two-word purpose statement that is almost like the final tumbler in a lock that begins to take all the good things that you're about, even the bad things that you've been about, and it redeems it. And so the challenge then becomes, once you know your two-word purpose, the tendency is to want to go back into the comfort zone of before purpose rather than moving forward into the after purpose. Um, it's, it's very similar to a Christian conversion, if you will, in that you come, you know, Jesus as Lord is the long-term relationship. Jesus as Savior is the moment. So a lot of us might have that saving moment, but then what does it mean to have Jesus as Lord? 
And so what this is doing is taking that large concept and putting very specific language around it because God created with words. In the beginning was the word. And the word, you know, and, and that's, that's in Genesis. And then in John 1.14, it says, and the word was made flesh. And so you have this sense that we are co-creators with God and God is a God of words. When you have the words on your life, you're greatly advantaged over your old self. But if you don't know how to take advantage of that, then you're then you're at a disadvantage. And that so it, it's really been one of those things up until this on purpose.me tool that I have that it was so hard for people to find their purpose. Now it's a three minute exercise. And uh, now you can get on with it. You know, it's, so instead of spending your life searching, you can invest your life giving it expression. So I took the test and it, yeah. it was, it was three minutes. Of course, I like to, you know, when it comes to an assessment or, you know, I want to be precise and I want to take my time. And of course the instructions are don't just flow with it and answer with your gut instinct. And I do some exercises with guys and I give them the same type instruction. And it was so hard for me to follow those instructions because I wanted to put some thought into it and, and really get the right answer. And I'm like, all right, just trust it. Just trust it. Just roll with it. So I did. I don't know how quickly I finished it. It may have been two minutes, may have been two and a half minutes. And there was a couple that I paused on for 10 seconds and like, ah, don't do that. Just answer the dang quick question. <laughs> And ultimately, uh, there's a few that I thought it might come back with, but ultimately it came back with inspiring hope. So you may have worked with people over time that had some various words, but probably ran into some inspiring hope people also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of the more popular ones. But let me ask you, what does it mean to you, Dan? First of all, may I do a little coaching with you? Oh, yeah, 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 let it go. So what does it mean to you? So it means to me, I, I always look at whatever the situation is that we're in, there's a way to appreciate it, have gratitude, and also lead us to the next level, whatever that is. So inspiring hope to me is just helping everybody else, including myself, see what that next level could be, what the possibility is, and how we, you know, literally how we can get to heaven. And if Mm -hmm. we're focused on the hope that I cry. Like that's how much it means to me to think about the possibility of getting to heaven and that we, we can do our part in that. We can do our part of helping others see the light of Christ and that they too can get to heaven and that there is hope. And no matter what we've done, good or bad, all we can do is our part of love in Jesus. Jesus is going to do his part. So that's what inspiring hope means to me. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, that's actually probably one of the best descriptions I've heard when I've asked somebody that. P- part of it is there's two, three, there's three parts that you really hit. I mean, you hit the middle part and the, and the third part really strong. Uh, the three parts are God, self, and others. And so if you go to the, the, the great commandment to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, there's an order there, which is love God, love yourself, and then love your neighbor. And this is not narcissism, narcissism that I'm talking about here. It's, it's about loving yourself, not with vanity. It really comes down to, here's what surprises most people, is the inspiring hope is first what God wants for Dan. So he's inspiring you to be in heaven. It's the way that you're in translating it. Okay? Then, Dan, you have to look at it and say, what am I doing to inspire myself to be in heaven? Now, inspire is a word that means to breathe in, like the inspiration of the spirit. Because if you look at and the, the best way to think about it is when, when God breathed onto the clay and created Adam, that was the inspiration of God. It was the breathing in of that. So at some level, the idea of inspiring hope is that you're breathing out or breathing into somebody or you're, you're allowing, you're in, ingesting it yourself, you're, you're inhaling it, if you will. 
And so at some level, your place of inhalement is your relationship with God. Then it's your relationship with yourself. Are you willing to receive that gift? Now, the reason I ask that, and I'm not asking you that, but what I found is a lot of times we're not because we don't think we're worthy. We don't think Jesus died on the cross for you and everybody else, but he didn't die on the cross for me. So we get screwed up on that one, <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. We look at all of our faults, which were also put on the cross and, and sanctified. And in fact, what as I said, you know, when you know your two-word purpose, you can actually look back on all the crazy crap that you did when you were younger or recently involved in, and you know, it, it could be, you know, if a guy's in the middle of an affair or, or getting drunk, has an addiction issue of some sort, you can look at it and say that it, with a purpose statement, no matter what it is, whether it's inspiring hope or awakening worth or uh, liberating greatness or any of these other choices that are on this tool, that you can look at it and say there's a redemption involved in it and that God has prepared you and now you have an understanding of that two-word purpose and how it can be an influence in your life. Now, whether you're willing to believe that that's possible, and so you become almost an impediment to God moving through you. Now, let's assume that you receive this and that you're willing to accept it imperfectly, where none of us are gonna do it perfectly. So I, I wanna make sure that I, you know, we're not talking about perfection here or purity of conduit, then it's what we most want to do for others. So at some level, you know, Dan, I don't know you that well, but and just in the minutes we're together, it's, it's one of those things where, have you known hopelessness in your life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have. Yeah. yeah. And, and so as a result of knowing hopelessness, it's why it's so emotional for you is because you don't want somebody to experience lack of hope. So um, you, you're, you're likely to be with the downtrodden, the broken, the, and it doesn't have to be financially, it can be, but it could be somebody who's lost somebody near and dear to them. It could be uh, loss of job. There's a lot of loss involved, or you know, in my world, it would be a tough shift. They're in the middle of a tough shift and they've lost hope. And that you're the guy who's in there and saying, look, let's, look, what do we need to do to inspire hope here? Um, and you may actually be more, again, that we, uh, we haven't gotten into refining it, but you could refine that purpose statement, um, you know, in some regard as well. And, and allow yourself to refine it. It may, may, be, may be perfect for you, but it, it also can be refined where maybe it's a, if inspiring can be a moment, but it can also be a long-term relationship mm -hmm. much like the word realizing so you know for instance uh, you might use a word like realizing hope and the idea is to realize you can have a realization aha but you can also realize to realize something over time is a gradual awakening so you know again if 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 just sort of getting to know you a little bit here or somebody might have a purpose statement like igniting hope so that they're a boom, they just want to ignite and then they move on. A, an inspiring one wants to breathe in and maybe continually breathe in, but you don't want to be life support. Right. You know, in that regard. Or realizing is it could be both, you know, those moments of as well as the extension of it. So that's that's the way that a two-word purpose statement begins to take on meaning and it fits your personality and the way you're gifted and the way that you're serving. Uh, so two people can have the same two-word purpose statement, but given their gifts, background, experience, and everything, they're going to give very different expression to it. I don't know why, as you were talking through that, I reflected back to when I was in the military years ago. We're in a very remote part of the world uh, in Hungary, in, a, in the middle of a sunflower field, and there was an airstrip there. And... I worked overnights, so it was me and one other person in a tent overnight at this airfield. And then we would sleep in the daytime when everybody else was awake. And we were, so there was, in our world, there were two people that existed, me and mm. one person. Maybe, maybe we rotated a shift at night. So there might've been three people in my world at that time, total me and two other people. Wow. Totally isolated. It was horrible. 
and the internet wasn't really where we were. Click a button took maybe a minute to maybe as long as an hour, if it worked, for a page to turn on the internet. So when you logged in, you better be precise with the page you wanted to go to because it was going to be a while. And we worked overnight. We really didn't have much to do. We figured out how to do a four to six hour job within 15 minutes. So we had a whole lot of time on our hands. <laughs> it was terrible. So, so bad. And I was just miserable. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got seven more months of this, six more months. And I'm counting the minutes like horrible. And out of nowhere, a buddy of mine goes, hey, I heard about this thing. There's this guy that somehow my brother knows. And I'm like, oh, here comes a fairy tale. And he says, the army has a soccer team. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm terrible at soccer. I've played, but I'm terrible. And I, and he goes, and there's a tryout. I said, oh, this is horrible, except there's hope. Yes. It sure sounds like if I can make that team somehow, there's hope. There's hope that my life will change. There's hope there's a different direction, a different lane I'll be able to be in, be able to have some interaction. I'll be able to have a purpose as opposed to where I was. And I'm like, I'm going to get out of this. I'll say it was a depression, but like it was just a miserable time of life. And I, th I thought I was stuck and that hope came along. He's like, what do you think? I said, what do you think? And he says, well, I'm a horrible soccer player too. And I haven't practiced in forever. And how are we going to make this team? I said, let's not worry about whether we're going to make it or not. Let's just go on the assumption we are. What do we need to do between now and when's tryout? And how do we get to try? Like, let's just plan on making this team by any means necessary and so we started training we only had a few days but we didn't have a soccer ball <laughs> but we ran and we you know got to the the tryout early and just we're all so stressed out about this but we knew without a shadow of a doubt we were going to make this team and it was going to change our lives and it was more of a and the guy that was running it was suspenseful he made it really seem like it was an actual tryout <laughs> all they actually needed was to fill the team out. So <laughs> <laughs> and we traveled around Hungary and we played against the Hungarian nationals and it was a great time. And there was a uh, world-class goalie that's like in the Hungarian hall of fame that we got to play against. And he was something like I've never seen in a goal. Anyway, it was so fun and we got to have the Hungarian fans. And so what went from the worst time of my life to, one of the best times of my life and the greatest memories. It was so cool, but it was Whoa. looking for that hope. And I was praying that whole time, God, throw something my way. I don't know what it could possibly be. And I had no clue there was such a thing as an army soccer team over there. And somehow this guy's brother knew a guy and a something. And like, that's, that's amazing. Who could put but, this together yeah. besides God. Um, one of the books that maybe a lot of people have heard about is a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Written yes, Victor by, Frankel. By Victor Frank, Dr. Victor Frankel, and he was a survivor of a Holocaust, um, you know, concentration camp. I was watching a YouTube of his a couple months ago, and on there he talked about despair. What you were in was despair. It's and, so funny you bring that book up because as I was in that despair, I'm thinking to myself, well, I've got food. The temperature isn't all that controllable with these dang tents, but you know, it's manageable. Like it's all manageable. Why am I so frustrated with where I'm at? And, but yeah, then I was comparing myself, Hey, you know, there's all these horrible things that everybody else has. And why am I, why can't I get through this on my own? But yeah. So the Victor, Victor Frankel, like, ah, I'm nothing compared to that. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it's funny how we do those comparisons. But one of the things that he said on this video that I watched is he said despair equals suffering minus meaning. Okay, so I took that equation and I decided to reverse it. And I said that hope equals suffering plus meaning. So if there is meaning to it, However, one, you know, and again, Viktor Frankl was the one who said the last choice you have is your point of view, your perspective, your ability to find meaning in whatever it is that's going on. And 
and, and of course he faced a far more severe test than you did, but oh that doesn't goodness. make yours any less, I guess I would call it, any less despair in that sense. Uh, again, it's easy for us to get into the comparison game, but the truth is, is if you're feeling hopeless or you're in despair over a marriage, over a child, over a, a parent, uh, a friend, whatever it may be, that there, but if there is meaning in the midst of it, and a lot of times we have to really look, it's, it's often thought of as the silver lining, perhaps, that's there, then at that point, um, it, it takes an ability to step back and have a perspective, and purpose does that. In other words, if you can look at it and say, okay, so this person is going through hell and back, and I don't understand why, but I, I know that maybe this is an opportunity for me to be inspiring hope in their life, or perhaps this is a lesson for me on why inspiring hope is so important to who I am because I don't want to go down that path should I face that despair again. So we, we learn lessons within and outside of ourselves, and our purpose statement tends to give us a translation almost of what is going on in the world in the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm at the same time. Um, I've often said, I think the, the, the beauty of who Jesus was is he was fully human and he was fully God. And therefore, he could fully see what was going on on earth, but he could also see fully what was going on in the spiritual realm, on, in sort of the heavenly realm. And we don't have that. We have the ability to see what's going on on earth. We have the ability to see what's going on in the heavenly realm, but it's very undeveloped. And what the purpose statement does is it kind of makes this meaningful connection between the spirit and the physical or the mental, if you want to describe it that way as well. And, and it gives us this, this conduit between the two worlds to where we begin to see things simultaneously that are going on. And it gives us an opportunity to move from one to the other more fluidly. Yeah, I, I love the word you use, despair. I'm like, it wasn't really a depression back then. And I, I kind of alluded to, I guess you'd say depression. Where, you know, I wasn't more exactly, clinical. Yeah, I wasn't exactly joyous at that time, for sure. Right. But I'm like, it really wasn't like depression. But yeah, despair is what it was. It was just being trapped and no no possibility of hope. So yeah, d despair is a perfect word to, d to describe where I was. Yeah. I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't, but it was just a lack of all hope it was just darkness and gloom and doom and you know heaviness even though there wasn't like straight suffering but it was it was suffering and 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 lack of hope so yeah despair i love that word yeah i, well, I don't like that word nice. at all but i love that word for that situation yeah well what's nice about it now is you can now you know as i said you can take your two-word purpose statement and you begin to look at it from the point of view of your life, but you can also look at it from the point of view of your work. So when you're doing your podcast or your insurance or whatever it may be, you understand that you're in the inspiring hope business ultimately. Yes, yes, 100%. Okay? The same thing with your children or your marriage that it's called, it's almost like, it, I, I don't want to use, I don't want to diminish it as a tagline, but it's really a, it's a new filter that you have that you're able to sort of look through the world and say, okay, my child is in despair. My child is unhappy. My child is feeling hopeless. My child, maybe, you know, if they're an older child and they're in the middle of a boyfriend, girlfriend breakup and it's oh, the world's over, it'll never, nobody will ever love me and blah, blah, blah. Then at that point you recognize that I'm in the inspiring hope. This is where I step on stage and I need to breathe in as best I can, whatever that means. And that may not be necessarily the, the words you provide. It may be the presence that you provide. Um, uh, or, um, you know, it, it's just, it, it, it just gives you a sense of what your role is in the moment. Hmm. That's awesome. And you, I mean, there was a whole bunch of different combination of two word possible combos so you've really put a lot into understanding these and unpacking them well i mean i've been at this for th over three decades yeah yeah i and didn't tell I you say, what my words were before we started recording so. no but when everything but when you I, just heard is off the topic kevin said 
Yeah, well, I mean, but the other side of the coin is, as I said, I don't think there's a person that's thought about purpose as long and as deep and as consistently as I have um, that's alive. Uh, it's just something that I've really weirdly found. I'm a strategist, you know, I'm a business strategy guy. That's And what I recognized was in the business strategy, in the world of, of that, that the language of leadership and strategy is confused because it's what I really did was I took business strategy and I, I reversed engineered it into my life. So the words purpose, vision, mission and values, people use them interchangeably. So I actually have a little poster that I have that has a guy and we talk about the difference between purpose, vision, mission and values and basically purpose is a matter of the heart. If you want to put it, tie it to parts of the body. So purpose is a matter of the heart. Vision is in your mind's eye, it's in your head. So where your eyes live, that would be a good way of thinking vision. It's, it's where you're going. Missions are your hands and feet. These are the things you do. These are the activities that your feet, hands and feet are about. That's the movement. And then your throat and your gut represent your values. Because if you violate your values, you feel it in your throat and in your gut. So it's the sort of thing where if somebody says, I have a gut feel that this is not going to go well, or I, my, my gut is telling me, or I, I'm gagging over this idea. It's just, ugh. Uh, you're, there's a visceral connection to these deep strategy words, which are the language of leadership. And so when you're able to take your heart, your head, and your hands and feet and align them, within your values, you're on your purpose. So it's a very high standard and it seems difficult, but I'm telling you, if your heart, your head and your hands and are not aligned within your values, it's a more difficult way to live. Oh, for it, sure. It's just a far challenging way. And again, going back from the Christian worldview, if you think of your purpose as your identity in Christ, it's your understanding of how you're to glorify, it's your understanding of God's will for your life, all of a sudden you can see that, that this little two-word purpose statement, it then informs the vision. So, you know, you have a vision within your insurance business, let's say, Dan, and, and that you're there to be inspiring hope in the midst of your business. You're not just selling policies. Anybody can sell policies. That's what most people do. They, they, they want to sell policies. But if you're in the business of inspiring hope, why are you doing a podcast? It's because you're wanting to inspire hope. Yes. And, and so it's, it's an outlet for that expression of your purpose, but in fact, the two can merge and, and work together in such a way because ultimately it, it positions you as a person who is inspiring hope, who's, not, who's sitting there saying, if the worst thing in the world happens to you, not just I'm there, but my company is there, my team is here for you. We're in the hope business. We're, you know, we're going to get you through it. And, and so now it just sort of puts a different spin altogether on your career and your work. And, and that's really the, the, the way that you take a two-word purpose statement and really put it to work. So it, it's one of those things where I'm almost going to say in the first 30 years of my life, this language of leadership and strategy, I found that it was so confused, therefore people were confused. So by, by giving them a standard of purposes, purposes, why am I answering the question, why am I here? Vision is answering the question, where am I going or where am I headed? That's sort of my planning process. Missions are, how do I get there? What am I going to do? And values are, how am I going to choose as I move forward? What, on what basis do I make my decisions? We make our decisions based on our values. Now, we share biblical values, but there's additional things. In fact, in, in the Tough Shift book, I actually have, this is something I just added for it. There's a free download for it, which is toughshifttools.com. And that has the poster that I described. I just realized if somebody wants to do this, there's also a values list. So that if somebody wanted to actually go through and pick, pick off, so if they go to toughshift.com, tools plural.com then they can download those things and, and work through purpose well they can do the on purpose.me tool to find their purpose vision most people are pretty good with vision they have an really? idea where they want to go okay yeah i mean uh, and again maybe i have a selective audience because i tend to work with a lot of entrepreneurs 
a lot of people that are speakers, coaches, trainers. Okay. okay. Yep. Um, that makes sense. You know, I, I'm with an engaging group of people who are like, man, they're out there. But yeah, I would say in the general population, you have a lot of people that are without vision. But it still is one of the easiest things to do because what you're really asking somebody is, if you could make a difference in the world, what would you do? And they will describe typically not just an action, but they'll describe a vision of something that they don't have today. Mm -hmm. So, and almost everybody wants to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And they have an idea of what that looks like. Or the other way you ask it is, if you won a hundred million dollar lottery, what would you do after you played your golf or did whatever you gave away right. some money? Did whatever, what would you do after six months with a hundred million dollars? And most people will have an idea about that. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, you could be talking to a cashier at Walmart and she might say, or he might say something like, well, I would work with dogs and I would do this and I would do that. And da, 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 da. And, and I say to them, well, are you doing that now? And they go, no. And I say, why not? And they go, I just didn't think I had could afford to. And I say, well, do you own a dog? And they go, yeah. I said, well, why don't you do something with other dog owners? That would be, you know, you can start off small. Yes, yes. I think it's Zach, the book in the Zachariah, if I'm not mistaken, where it says, never despise the day of small beginnings. So you got to get, you know, why not start investing in your expression of your purpose or that it's moving towards your vision? Because if you if you just sit here today, but you don't take one tiny little step towards it, because once you start moving that direction, I believe that God conspires for our benefit. But if we just park our butt in a chair and expect God to show up, he can't. So you take one step forward and now he can meet you perhaps by you meet somebody who says, oh, we need a volunteer for now you're volunteering. Now you're doing it an hour a week or two hours a week. Pretty soon you're volunteering a little bit more. Now it's three hours a week. And now you're beginning to live out your vision. You're living out your dream. You're living out your difference-making ability where before you were just sort of stuck at Walmart and then going home and feeding the kids or doing whatever it was. And, and you were just stuck in your routine, but you had a vision. It's God put it in there. It's there. <laughs> I'll share a quick story while we're on vision. So a buddy of mine, He'll be on the podcast at some point. His name's Sean McClowski. And he had this vision of buying a $350,000 boat, give or take. I forget the length and the model and all that stuff. Doesn't even matter, but 350 grand. So kind of a grand vision of what he wanted. And he starts sharing around with the people that he knows. And like, oh, that's great. That's great, buddy. That's great, buddy. Hey, can you invite me on your boat? I can't wait for you to get this boat. And then he mentions it to another buddy of his. And his buddy goes, really? Why would you do that? He goes, oh, I can't wait. Like, I'm going to have people in the boat and we're going to have so much fun. He goes, well, why that boat? And he goes, well, I remember when I was in college and one of my buddies whose father had a boat and we had all the guys and the kids and we just had such a great time and the entertainment. It was wonderful. And he goes, let me ask you another question. Who's going to take care of the boat? Well, I don't know. Where are you going to park the boat? Where are you going to? I don't know any of that. He goes, I just don't see you as a guy that's a boat guy. Are you going to do that? No, I, I'm not going to do that. Well, who's going to, well, I don't want to do that either. I don't want to maintain a, a staff of people to maintain this dang boat. It's like, well, what do you want? He goes, I want that college thing. I want that environment. I want to create memories. I want to be a part of having fun. I want to bring joy to other people's lives. He's like, all right, well, how else could you do that? I could be invited to be on other people's boats or I can rent a boat mm -hmm. and have somebody else bring it to the dock where I'm going to be and take care of it. And he goes, so he's speaking to an audience. He says, Hey, anybody that knows somebody that's got a boat, I'm a great guest to invite on the boat. I'll buy everything. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. way cheaper and I can have it right now versus having to save up 350 grand to buy a boat. 
Yep. So. Yeah, you know, that story reminds me. I have so many people that I know that are speakers or, you know, people that they have this dream of building a conference center or a camp or something like yes. that. And I say to them, you know, basically, do you want to be in the business of transforming lives or do you want to be in the hospitality industry? And it's the same question, really, uh, because once you start owning a camp, you're in the hospitality industry, not in the, I said, where you can go and rent a camp anywhere in the world at a reasonable price or a hotel room and do what you want to do. So decide what business you want to be in. But see, again, that's where one of those things where that's just, that's almost the business consulting side of what I do. Because I have a lot of clients that come to me and they say things like that. And then all I'm really trying to do is just clarify but you see, he had the action, he saw the vision, and he saw the actions that were involved, but he hadn't connected it to the deeper meaning, where if his two-word purpose statement was inspiring hope, let's just say, he would look at it and say, well, that boat is a place where I'm there to bring college kids on and, and, and talk with them about their lives and their hope and all of that, and I don't need to own the boat. I can rent the boat and create the environment of an inspiring hope environment and and carry on with that and have a lot of fun and, and do the things that are there yeah absolutely yeah see so it, it's it juices it's the juice that comes in uh the the analogy that i use uh, i in the on purpose person my first book is a light switch that's either on purpose or off purpose but what it takes to put a light switch in place is it takes a designer and it takes uh an architect if you will to design the the building to put the light switch there, it takes an electrical team to install it, and then that, that building needs to be connected to a power source. So the analogy is that God's the power source, that we have installed all of these things, but if we don't turn the power on, purpose is the power, spiritual electricity. If we don't turn the power on, the building still works. You're maybe sitting in the dark, but you don't know that you're sitting in the dark. But you're building all of these things around it, but you're not bringing the spirit in. And, and, and I think a lot of us can get lost in our lives of building the infrastructure, but forgetting to put the spirit in. And in many ways, if you put the spirit in, the infrastructure actually may be a lot easier to build. And the infrastructure is the side issue, not the main, not the thing, because you're, you're, we, we tend to see the edifice rather than really the the spirit of the thing that's going on so mission and values we're on a roll there let's let's hit mission and values while we're at it so the guys who got their checklist out like hey you didn't say anything about mission and values yet no <laughs> well, missions are how you do it so in his case you know if his purpose is inspiring hope he has a vision of a a an event and on a boat where inspiring hope is occurring the missions are Okay, I need to have a marketing plan. I need to have an operations team. Or, you know, I mean, I need to have, what do I need to do in order to make this occur? I need to make sure there's food. Uh, so there's a, there's a planning process, mm -hmm. these things that are to be done that need to happen. Now, again, he can delegate that. He doesn't have to do all of that. Right. Or he can find somebody that has a boat and is willing to host it. In other words, there might be somebody that has a million dollar boat and they're willing to subsidize the food, the drinks, the entertainment, everything in order to just have him come on the boat and do his thing for their college kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's literally called he could create a business without a boat that's just going off to people who are, let's call it uber wealthy or just kind of wealthy and saying, look, when your kids are going off to high school, when your kids are in high school and college, you know, I'm going to minister them on your boat and you're going to pay for it and you're going to pay me to be on there. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that sounds and, like an idea that he would have uh, had and executed. He's, he's right. pretty tremendous. But see, it's, it's the creativity that's involved. It's the ability to dig past the vision to get down into the practical side and get and say, is that really what you want to be about? And so that's the sort of consulting I do with my clients because they, they come to me and they say, here's what I'm doing and I'm working on the obvious. The obvious is go get $350,000 and get a boat. The, the unobvious is what am I really trying to do here? And how can I take where my gifts, skills, and talents are? Now, if this person is really a highly organizer and they're like a, 
a wedding planner or a meeting planner or they're an organizer, then they might say, oh, I really want to do all of that stuff and I'll rent the boat and I'll do all of that because I love all that sort of stuff. Then God bless them, let them do it. But it's it's just a matter of it. And then the values, again, the values are, are articulating things like, you know, um, what it means. You could look at it and say as as a parent, as a dad, what is it that you want your children? What values do you want to project to your children? And I will tell you, if, you know, we talked about at the beginning of this, some of my brokenness. If I had it to do over again, my children did not get a good grounding in the history of this country and the sacrifice that was made to bring this country into being and what our constitution means i assumed mistakenly that maybe our schools were doing that and so as a result you know i have a son who's a libertarian but he just doesn't believe the borders for countries are meaningful yet he locks his car and he locks his house okay which are which is a form of borders i have a daughter who's extraordinarily liberal and uh, she's LGBT, love the girl. She's just totally cool, young lady and everything. But neither one of them really has a grasp of brilliance, the exceptionalism of this country and the thinking that was going on that I, the older I get, the more I marvel at things like the Constitu Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. You know, I would send them to Hillsdale College, I guess, you know, type of thing if I had a, if I had a choice, you know, in that regard where they're learning these foundational, classical understandings of what it means to to be governed and to govern, what it means, how this, the, the, just the absolute brilliance in, the, in the, the flow of history of this country, of the United States of America, and how it is, is systematically being dismantled, because it's always easier to tear, but leadership is the ability to overcome the gravity of decline because all things left to their own are going to decline and decay so leaders are the people that resist that gravity and that's what those men did those those men did at the founding of our country is they resisted the gravity of decay and they created something remarkable and it's easier to tear it down and find what's wrong with it than it is to continue to build upon it and that would be something I would wish for my children. And then their faith. You know, again, they're 28 and 30 years of age. They're they're now adults. They're very productive, hardworking adults. Uh, but they've walked away from their faith. It's there, though. I know it's there. It's sort of interesting. I see it because I haven't lost hope. Going back to the hope word. Have but you it's got, a, have you got a, a biblical source that gives you hope for your children to grow their relationship with Christ again? You know, all I know is they're they're first God's kids than they are mine. Mm -hmm. And I also know before we we struggle to have children. So I prayed long and hard before we wanted to have, you know to want children, to have children. I've prayed for these kids every day of their lives. I actually have something called my kids' blessing that I wrote. I, I didn't write. I just started doing it from the day they were born. And it's kind of a cool little blessing that I do. I think I should, you know, it's, it's, um, I haven't done it physically on them for probably 10 years or something like that. But what I would do is I would take, you know, take this coffee mug. It was one of my kids' heads whenever they were a baby. And I would say, Charles, I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I would say, that I would do that on his forehead like the sign yeah. of the cross. I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then off to the side of his head, I would say, I, 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 see what happens when I start explaining it, I sometimes forget it because it's just so natural for me. But um, Charles, I bless your name in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear Jesus, prepare Charles' mind to know you, his eyes to see you, his lips to proclaim you, and may your Holy Spirit be in his heart. And I have prayed that for decades over my children. And I believe with all my spirit that that is in there and and i can send you the the my kids blessing if you want to post it there i've got it written out and explained somewhere on a document yes yes and it's just um you know what it's why i continue to have hope and i also have learned 
pretty recently, actually, uh, because my daughter and I, we're not estranged, but we are strangers. We are two new ships passing in the night. We, you know, we were just together. My son just had a wedding on November 6th, just a couple weeks ago. And our daughter was there and we, we hung out and we had fun and she's helpful. I mean, she's a great kid, but we are just, woo, you know, she thinks <laughs> I need anger management because I, pun I, I punished her when I was a kid. I disciplined her. Right, right. Um, By the way, guys, that one's important. You should discipline your kids. You should discipline. <laughs> but I've also learned that, you know, maybe I was a little tougher with, you know, corporal punishment. Yeah. I didn't beat her. I didn't punch her. But from her point of view, it was difficult. And so, I mean, these are the sort of things that you can look back in retrospect and go, wow. So she now thinks I need anger management classes. Again, she's my ultra liberal daughter whom I do love. But uh, I, and I've, I disagree with her on that. I yeah, go, I, yeah. it was because I loved you that I dealt you, I dealt with you in sometimes ways that I needed to. And um, so it's, it, it's this ability, though, to understand that no matter what, are you coming from a place of love? Are you coming from a place of love or are you coming from a place of anger? And there are times I punished from a place of anger rather than a place of love. And when you're coming from a place of love, you are more likely to more clearly to see the brokenness or the challenge that that person is going through rather than, hey, I'm driving the car, I need to get to church. I used to say the most competitive hour in our house was getting ready to go to church on Sunday morning. Oh my goodness. Right? It's called, I gotta get the kids dressed, I gotta get them ready. I mean, this is when they're little. It, or you know I gotta or whenever they were a little older I gotta talk to them I gotta get pissed off at them because they're not ready we're gonna be late for church I you know I want to be in there and it's like oh my gosh you know this is what church is is the most competitive hour in our house right before why, church why do you think that is I've got an opinion but why do you think that is I think it's because we as parents want them to know what we know and somehow or another we haven't planned it far enough in advance, and we maybe haven't planted the seeds in them to know that it's a to know that why it's meaningful. That would be my sense of it. It was just it was an activity, not a um, not something meaningful. Yeah. What's your I, thoughts? I I also agree with you. That does make sense when you plan and routine and uh, are proactive with things. But my my other thought is uh, the devil doesn't want us going to church as a family. Right. So we've got uh, a, a defense or, or a offense that's attacking us intentionally at that moment so that he can sidetrack us and keep us, keep us away from an activity that he doesn't want us to do. So on Sundays, when you feel like things are crazy, it might not be because of something from this world. Right. So the answer to that would be pray, cast out the spirit, cast out that evil spirit, uh, start early in the morning and say, Lord, protect this house. I'm casting out any spirits of dissension that would be here. I, you know, it's positioning yourself as the leader of the, the head of the household is probably, and that's something that I, I would look back and say, I don't know that I ever did that on a Sunday morning. It, I was in my routine yeah, yeah, and I was moving them into my routine rather than actually being the spiritual head of the household. So guys, so that, was on me. that was on me. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So guys, if you're listening to this one, and this might be your first podcast episode you've listened to. So we talked leadership and being the spiritual head of the household. So add the word humble leader in there. I don't want you to be sidetracked and start banging your chest and I'm macho and I'm man and hear me roar and all this stuff. Be the humble leader. That's, that's where a lot of us get sidetracked. Secondly, proactive planning. So Kevin and I just talked about that. What is your, be what is your best days look like? Dan Laurie was just on and we were talking about what are your best mornings look like? So what are your best Sunday mornings look like? What does the best mass experience look like for you and your family? Think about those things and be proactive. Put on the armor of God in the morning and protect your family. P pray for that. Be intentional there. Um, Actually, there's something else that you said also that is just so key. But yeah, humble leadership and being proactive with things and looking at, you know, 
each different aspect of your life and evaluating, just pause on it for a second and go, huh, is this going the way that I want it to go? If I could design this a better way, you know, is it possible? Um, the podcast review earlier today said, ask what that was referring to is asking God for help. Hey God, if we could do this better, can you help me? So bring your plans to God and also plan with God as opposed to doing all your plans on your own, isolated and solo without your wife, without your kids, without God being in the mix. So uh, it all goes better. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, it's one of those things where if you're living on purpose and living with God. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you think about it, if you had a sales presentation to do for a client, how much work and preparation you put into that, if you put that much preparation into just what your Sunday mornings would look like, designing what you're just one Sunday morning, don't do it for all of them, just one Sunday morning, similar amount of preparation to make sure that you're going to win that morning. Again, I didn't do this. Um, but to me, it's if somebody had said this to me, then I might look at it and say, wow, what would my plan look like? What do, what what are the what are the purpose, vision, mission and values that I would need to do? What are the you know, in terms of bringing this forward? Who would I have on my team to make sure it works? I would have to sell this to the larger family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just take take your business experience or your work experience and apply it to whatever it is. I don't care whether you're a firefighter. If you have to, you're trained how to deal with a fire, take that same training and apply it to the Sunday morning experience. Um, I'm yeah. so glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk to you about, or I wanted to bring that concept up. It's a, it's a theme that I repeat over and over and over again. We get our professional training and our professional experience and what we need to do. And it's in scripture is take that back to our family and all of our other relationships. So all these different relationships that we have and the learning that we have, we should apply in every different area as well. And oftentimes the thing is I learn at work, I forget to apply at home or I discover a new way to apply it at home. Oh my gosh, why am I so dumb? Why did, why did I not just transfer this knowledge I already have? an experience I already have into this other area of my life. Reason guys think in boxes, (laughs) take the things out of the one box, put them in the other box, mix them up, see what happens. But because of our, our linear thinking or our box thinking where women can put all this stuff together and mix and match it and that type thing. But uh, we've got to be purposeful with what we think about and, using our experiences and oftentimes talking with guys like Kevin can help us discover what we're missing out on. So I'm glad you brought up our, our work experience and our learning there and Mm -hmm. meshing that with our friends, our family, our faith and inviting God into the mix all day. So if you've ever been pestered or tortured by the words, pray continuously or pray unceasingly, Mm-hmm. there's a way to do that. And it's not as torturous as you, you might think. Uh, we've talked about that one on other podcasts, but I don't know if that ever tortured you, Kevin, that, that might be our parting thought that we have. And then we always come up with a challenge at the end for the guys and, and a parting thought for you as well, but uh, take it from there. Yeah. I mean, for me, I read a book many years ago written by called um, practicing the presence of God by brother Lawrence. And it's a it's a book about a dishwasher in a monastery in like the 1600s or the 1700s. And everything he did, every dish he washed, he did unto the Lord. And so it's this idea of practicing the presence of God. So it's not even prayer. You're, you're literally walking in prayer. You, you're, a, you're a walking prayer. Our conversation today was prayer. Um, when you go into a sales presentation, it's prayer. It's you begin to see again. This is goes almost back to that Jesus being able to see the physical and the spiritual going on. That you recognize that you always are having both environments at play. And if you walk in the spirit, you're walking in the physical as well. That that it's simultaneously it's going on. And that, that again, that on that your your two word purpose statement bridges those two so nicely. And so that's that's the way where I, I tend to look at it. It's, it's so funny because I go to these, you know, I'll go to a Bible study or I'll go to a men's group or something like that. And they'll say, well, you know, who has prayer needs? And then they describe that and they describe all this sorts of stuff. I say, guys, let's just do conversational prayer because what they do is they describe all these sorts of things. And then they come back and they say, well, I want to pray for Dan because he talked about this and he talked about that and he talked about that. And I'm going, guys, we don't need to repeat it. 
This is prayer. This is conversational prayer. We just invite the Lord in, invite the Holy Spirit to be present in our conversation. And then we put it out there and we don't have to repeat it on behalf of one another. Now, again, that's that's my preference, but again, and I'm unusual in that regard because I will look at it and say, now we're just hounding them. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So, in case you didn't so, hear it the first time, let me repeat it for you the second time. <laughs> so as I hear you say that, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And I do agree. Uh, right. So I think the repeating part is maybe for us guys so that we remember what we said so we can recap it again no. or to allow us to uh, state it and then correct it. No, no, actually it wasn't that at all. Right. You heard, you know, Oh, so the prayers, this other level or, or there's another influence to it, but yeah, that's a great point. So it, it could actually be the recap for us. Mm -hmm. Obviously God's got it. That's true. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. I, I love the theme of, you know, he's with us all day. And if we invite him into our lives and are open to it, like literally all day long. And it's so often in sports, you know, guys, oh, thank God, you know, praise God pointing up and all that. Yeah. We don't know where their heart is and everything else. So I hear people like, I can't believe he's doing that. I'm like, well, we don't know where his heart is. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And at least he's not pointing at, you know, the name on the back of the jersey. Or he's not you know. pointing down. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not pointing down either. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen that yet. But, oh my goodness! But uh, you know, everything we do, let that glorify God, and let us be the light, so that others are attracted to us, so that you know they can grow closer to Christ by knowing us. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, and I, my my parting thought on that would be, if I may, again, a little yeah, yeah, yeah. here is yes let them to know us but not because because we i always say to people i am not a witness for christ which sounds sort of startling i'm a uh, my job is to point you to christ because i will fail you um i and if if i'm you know again people say well you may be the only jesus they meet and i look at it and say if that's the case then it's about me not about god <laughs> and i've made it about me so the, I will I will screw them up in the long run. Therefore, my job is to, again, continually point them to Christ. My two-word purpose statement, by the way, is being on purpose. And so on purpose is in Christ, being in Christ, being oh, great. in relationship, being in that regard. You know, so these, to me, that this, this being is a struggle. It's, I can intellectualize it, I can talk about it, but living it out day to day is difficult. I'm not saying that being on purpose is easy, um, as a generic concept, but for me personally, it's, 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 it's my challenge. And for you, Dan, inspiring hope may be the easiest thing you do, but it may also be the most difficult thing you do because you can get caught in despair. Yes. You know, yeah. And, yes. and you, know, you have your blue days, and um, and and how do you get the hell out of them? <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. So, power statements, prayer, reaching out to others, just recognizing the fact that I'm stuck. So, all kinds of different things. I was talking to a guy earlier today, and I said, "I've known you for a while. You know, how's your life? Where are you at right now?" And he very simply says, "I'm coasting." I'll describe it to you in one word: coasting. I said, is that where you want to be? He goes, no way. However, and so we're going to, we had a conversation about inspiring hope, oddly enough. And so he's now got hope and now got some purpose that he's, he's moving towards and he's inspired to do something. So that was pretty cool. We talked about that today. And guys, if you're in a spot where you're coasting, I encourage you to do something on purpose, whatever that may be. It probably involves a community of guys to help you move you towards where you want to go. It definitely involves God if you invite him in. Whew. All right. So what type challenge can you come up with uh, this week that guys can do between now and next week when the next episode comes back that can help change their lives for the better? I would say go to onpurpose.me and find your two-word purpose. Now there's a there's a nominal charge, but go to onpurpose.me, find your two word purpose, 
do the Christian version. If they want to, they can go to onpurposechristian.me. That'll be the Christian version. But also, if you just go to onpurpose.me, there's a selection to say, find my God-gifted purpose. That'll take you to the Christian version. And you'll get the two-word purpose, but you'll also get a, 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 an email series called Oneness in Christ. And Because that's really what we're talking about here, is how do you be one with God? If you're one with God, uh, oneness comes is the opposite of sin. Sin is separation from God. Oneness is in God. It's 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 the purest form of being with God that we can have. And so the idea is that if you understand what oneness in Christ is, then sin becomes more pronounced. And unfortunately, most of us are good at finding sin, but we're not good at the opposite. And that's what the on purpose is designed to do. It's designed to bring you into this oneness. And that oneness is where you find peace. The word shalom, the Jewish word shalom means peace, but it means peace from being at one with God. That's beautiful. And yes, yes, when I have oneness with God, I, I find peace even when the major struggle shows up, the major problem, the life situation, whatever it is. When I've got oneness with God, those things are, are much more like a speed bump than, than the major mountain that they might be otherwise. Right. Or the yeah. pit. The pit is something you can navigate as opposed to get stuck in. So, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time greatly. Appreciate everything you've put into on purpose. And guys, uh, that was really, really cool doing that exercise. Again, it did take less than three minutes if you allow it. If you decide you want to be in control and be the boss and, you know, challenge authority and all that type stuff, it'll take longer and you'll probably get the wrong results. So, so just follow through, go with your gut, do the less than three minute exercise and find out what your two word purpose is. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it so much, Kevin. You're welcome. God bless and be on purpose. Absolutely. God bless you too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and I hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.